Hey, this is Scott Hartnell, and you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. Welcome to Music City Gold, part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle, and good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to each of you, because I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. <laughs> We're back for another exciting episode of some Talking Preds Hockey. And if you've been a fan of the show, or a regular for very long, you know what I'm about to say next. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Now, I'm sure some of you have always wondered, hey, when are these guys going to get a guest on the show? Because you're probably tired of hearing our voices. And Definitely some of mine. you Definitely yeah. mine. So I know for a fact some of you actually argue with us. So I'm gonna go ahead and call one of you out right now. Carrie, I know you're listening. And I know you're probably arguing with everything Matt says as the episode goes on. <laughs> this is this one's for you. Well, we do have a special treat for her because I'll be tweeting out a picture of Matt wearing a Pecorine shirt, but Pekka for Vesna underneath it with a nice little uh nice little touch. So I think he's finally on the bandwagon. Yeah, I thought that was a good surprise for you guys. I didn't want to. I had it in plan for about a week, but I thought I'd show up and, and show you guys in person. So. Well, it shocked us for yeah. sure. So Definitely was shocking. But getting back to topic on hand, we have a guest. Daniel, who was our guest today? You know what? We finally, finally found someone to just come on in here and talk about hockey. But the cool part is he's actually from Michigan, Matt. That's what I'm talking about. I like this guy already. Former manager, might be manager here pretty soon. He works at Nissan with me, and he's been a longtime Loyal Legion fan. Um, I'm going to let him go ahead and talk a little bit about his backstory, but uh, I'm going to introduce Taylor Welling, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show for sure. Um, yeah, like Daniel was saying, um, huge hockey fan. Uh, I was born here in Nashville, uh, lived in Nashville actually till I was 12, got into hockey, actually gaming. Um, so my, my uh, yeah. <laughs> so you and Kyle, yeah, there you definitely. Go. So so my, uh, I had Blades of Steel on the the original Nintendo, but my my game <laughs> sort of that yeah. got me got me in to hockey was NHLPA '93. Whoa, '93. I, I was born in '93. <laughs> I was born in '86, so I got a few years on you. But yeah, Kyle's got you beat though. Yeah. Yep, '84. '84. There you go. In NHLPA '93, uh, my team of choice was Buffalo. I don't even know why. I was real young, and I just thought Buffalo was a cool you know, animal, whatever. <laughs> um, so I ended up actually being a Sabres fan for a little while. Uh, but in 98, moved to Michigan with my family. As you guys know, the inaugural season for the Preds, 98, 99. So the year I moved away was the year <laughs> we actually get a hockey team here in Nashville, which I was disappointed about. Um, but immediately was a Preds fan at the time. Coming down to visit, I remember my first Preds game was in December of 98 uh, versus the Red Wings, actually. Oh, wow. And, and That's the Preds, ironic. The Preds took that game 5-3. to three. Thomas Vokun with 50 saves in that game. Um, 50 just a, saves, Yeah, man. I remember probably 60% of the arena was red. Yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it was different times, for sure. Living in Detroit really, I think, cultivated my love for hockey, really. Um, played ice hockey when I was there. I was a goaltender. Played organized roller hockey as well. In high school, me and my buddies would go to Red Wings games all the time. We'd get standing room only tickets, and we were my family is friends with the Nil family, Jim Nil, who's the GM of uh, the Dallas Stars. He was the assistant GM of the Red Wings at the time, 
and he had four seats down in the lower bowl, and we would get standing room only tickets and then go sit in his seats because nobody was ever nice. sitting in them. So <laughs> that is um, awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they they won the cup in two thousand two. We actually got to go to a Stanley Cup party at his house in his backyard. <laughs> Look at Matt; he's like so, already yeah. freaking out. It, I told you, I hid <laughs> stuff on purpose. Awesome, yeah. It, it, you it, go was, to a it was a lot of fun. Party. <laughs> it, it, it was a lot of fun, but yeah. So you know, huge love of hockey. But you know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, uh, moved back here to Nashville. Nashville is what I consider home. Had season ticket. My grandpa's actually got season tickets. Um, so we've had season tickets ever ever since I've been back here. Just obviously a huge Preds fan. So. Love talking hockey whenever I get the chance. Sweet. I like somebody that might be on my side for once every yeah, now and then. I purposely <laughs> withheld information about his Red Wings background because I knew you would kind of freak out about, I mean, a Red Wings Stanley Cup party. I mean, that's got to be like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I, so you're never going to forget that. I do want to clarify, though, that I was there at the party not as a Red Wings fan, but as a hockey fan. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, that. Like, who can say they attended a Stanley Cup party at someone's house? Like, at a GM's house, really, essentially. That's incredible. Now, what I'm curious is, what were the players like? Did you actually get to meet the players and talk to them? There were no players there at, at his party. It was his family, um, oh, you wow. know, family, friends, you know, a few guys that, you know, worked in the front office and stuff. But there were no actual players at that particular party. That's kind of cool, though. So, you got to meet some of the, like, upper management and for the Red Wings at the time. And of yep. course, at the time, that's a powerhouse. Yep. Ken Holland uh, was there. You know, they're, they're GM. So, yep. <laughs> Look at them go. <laughs> and they're good memories to have because, you know, now for the second time, the Red Wings don't make the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. good that, memories to absolutely. keep. <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt's not a happy camper. The Red Wings got eliminated and his beloved Stanley Cup pick this year <laughs> the uh edmonton oilers are now mathematically eliminated so oh yeah it's been a rough year as far as uh some of these canadian teams go oh definitely and that leads us right into the league news we've got going on so here's who has been eliminated as of today and this is there's some shockers in here this I is sh- monday march 26th when we're, when we're recording this obviously you knew the yotes were going to get out you knew the connects were going to lose you definitely knew the sabers were going to lose those are probably the top three for the lottery race going on right now. What you didn't expect was the Blackhawks to be out, the Oilers, the Red Wings, because they looked like they were going to kind of have a year, but it fell off the track. And then <laughs> He's shaking his head. No, no, no. Then the famous Matt Duchesne trade to the Sins, and the Sins are now out. Bro, how crazy is going to be if Colorado makes the playoffs after, after the Duchesne trade? I mean, I... Talk about a terrible career move for him. Now he's he's going from one team that was supposed to be in rebuild, but now they're making the playoffs, and then he's going to another one that is in rebuild build mode, and maybe we'll get rid of Carlson next year. He tries to escape a dumpster fire and ends up in another dumpster fire. Uh, <sighs> so out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the progression of Duchesne's career at this point. So What I'm surprised with is that the Blackhawks have missed it for the first time since the 07-08 season. That's when Patrick Kane was a rookie. So his entire existence with that team has always been playoffs. And now he's had to suffer a first-round exit to Nashville last season and now not even making it. Uh, I saw NBC actually posted, this is the first season that the Blackhawks and Detroit Red Wings have been out of the playoffs since 1969. (laughs) That is, first of all, kudos to those two organizations. That is an incredible run. The Red Wings was like one of the most arguably in my opinion impressive runs to make the playoffs every single year for what Matt 20 yeah. 20 years it's incredible that said 
the fact that we're not seeing the Blackhawks or a Red Wings jersey in any round of the playoff at all is almost mind-boggling to me. No, it's hard to fathom, and I don't remember in my lifetime a, a time that I that those two teams weren't there. They, they're just always, one of them was at least good at, at some point. Yeah, they're perennial juggernauts, mm-hmm. for sure. But you talk about, you know, a team like, you, you sort of expected Detroit maybe to not make the playoffs this year, but the Blackhawks didn't make it this year, and when will they make it next? I mean, that's the that's the big question. I mean, now they've got Victor Eitzel. They've called him up from Rockford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that the other day, and I thought that was a pretty good move considering you're already in rebuild mode. It's obvious you've been, you know, hoarding some picks off for a while, and then now you can go ahead and bring up some rookies and let them get some ice experience, you know, maybe to close the year out. I don't think he'll play much um, towards the end of the season, but give him a little bit of hope and get him some conditioning for next year because he, he's going to be needed. It's interesting from them because they're sort of almost in a forced rebuild. You know, most teams, you can sort of almost predict when your core players are either going to leave the team or sort of get older and and sort of start to fall back a little bit. But with Chicago, nobody saw this coming. They I just mean, fell off the map. They did. They just fell off the map. And, and with teams, sometimes you have an off year. For them, I don't, I think it's permanent. <laughs> uh, so this goes back to the trades that they made in the offseason. I remember we talked about on the show, we were like, is getting the band back together a good thing? Because, I mean, you get rid of the bread man, <laughs> who, who's having a great season. I, I didn't know. I, it felt like you were trying to reassemble a cup team at an older age. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know if I like that. Well, obviously, I don't like that strategy now because it did not work out for them. But at the time, I wasn't too keen on it. And, and it's interesting to see what they're going to do and who they're going to let go. I mean, Seabrook didn't really have a great year, which is crazy because he's always been super solid. You have aging players. Keith is, you know, like it's just really strange times in Chicago right now. And I really don't know if they have a, a permanent fix. But their GM said, oh, we're going to be back in it quick. And I do not know if it's that quick of a fix because you have a very tough central division right now. Well, I remember coming back at the beginning of the season, we were talking about this, and I even said, I thought Stan Bowman's reaction to bringing back the entire Chicago team was a reaction to getting swept out of the playoffs the first season. And I still think it was a re- knee-jerk reaction was, oh crap, we've been knocked out you know, twice in a row now, one first round, then I think it was second round the previous year, and now it's like, we need to get the band back together, and it's just not going to work. It's like the fans demanded action to be taken. Like, we're the Blackhawks you got to do something. We can't get knocked out in the first round. So obviously you got to make a couple moves. And I think it kind of, you know, forced their GM to make a couple of decisions that might, might want back. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting decisions. Well, my thing is, and I completely agree that, that some of the moves they made didn't work out. The Panarin for Saad trade, you know, if they could have that back, I think they would, but their core players have not performed. You've got Duncan Keith, Jonathan Taves, Brent Seabrook. <laughs> Look at Matt. He's already pouting face because he <laughs> loves Keith. <laughs> yeah. No, but really, I mean, you got to think their bread and butter in their own end is breaking out and, and that long stretch pass to get moving through the neutral zone. And they haven't had that this year. 
So I, I look back, you know, at their at their top defensemen, um, Seabrook and, and Keith, and you're paying Seabrook a bunch of money. You're paying Taves a bunch of money um, to, to underperform. So and that's to shocking. Me, to me, it's not the moves they made that are holding them back. To me, it's their core is is sort of regressing. And don't forget Crawford in that list either. Oh, yeah. You got to think because he had his vertigo, correct? You reported yeah. on this or whatever it was it. Com- repetitive concussion syndrome or something. Yeah, basically really, vertigo, yeah. <laughs> something really lame. But, you know, that's a good point. Taze isn't as dangerous this year. I remember a moment where Taze used to skate in the zone and I would be like on the edge of my seat because you know he's going to have that nasty release and you're kind of worried as a, an, a, as an opposing fan. Didn't feel like that this year. It, it just it seems really strange. And Seabrook, you forget, he was a healthy scratch at one point. That's kind of hard to swallow as a like a top tier defender. It's it's just very strange times in Chicago. Don't really know where they go from here or how they recover. I think it's obviously going to be through some of their prospects, the Eitzel trade. They're definitely going to enjoy that. But uh, yeah, they've been actually slowly acquiring some younger pieces, kind of kind of quietly on the side, but to help offset some of their aging veterans. You know, a loss of talent a little bit, but they're. It's going to take a little bit of time, for sure. But we're Chicago, and we demand results right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how many fans jump off the bandwagon this year. Well, I was just on the message boards the other day, uh, on the Blackhawks message boards, and they're all calling for Coach Q's head. Oh, God. Yeah, because you're going to fire a coach who won how many? at least three cups. Yeah, three cups. uh, Well, they're always quick to say, oh, three cups in ten years. Well, guess what? That's the same coach who got you your three cups in ten years. So... Somebody actually made a good point uh, the other day. It was a media personality saying that one of the reasons, yeah, I've heard that, that they're calling for Coach Q's head. Well, one of the reasons they're going a little softer on him, even though the Blackhawks have been a big disappointment this year, is that their rookie sensation, Alex Debrinkit, has performed very well for being a rookie. I'll give you a little bit of uh, stats about him real quick. He is actually the only rookie in Blackhawks franchise history to score three hat tricks in his rookie season. It took Patrick Kane 623 games to score his first hat trick, and Debrinket has three in his rookie year. And here's another interesting stat about putting Debrinket on a pretty high level: is that there's only been three players this year in the NHL to have three hat tricks. One of them's McDavid, the other is Ovechkin, and the third is Alex Debrinket. So a lot of people say they'll give Q a little bit of credit because he sheltered him in some roles and given him the right opportunities to shine, and and that's been something that he's done well. The Blackhawks at least have a shining star for their future. But I will say the next shining star we've got going on is that the Preds clinched the playoffs, guys. Yes, we did. Since our last episode, we have clinched the playoffs. So it's been uh, an incredible streak, to say the least. At one point, 14-0-1. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't argue. Can't argue with it at all. You're getting 29 of 30 available points. I mean, everyone's sitting here looking at each other, shaking their heads, because that's an insane stat. But you're talking about, you know, just like how tight these playoff races are and people that, you know, teams that we thought weren't going to make it that made it and teams that we thought weren't making it that have. So, so far, as of tonight, we know that the Preds, the Jets, the Lightning, and the Bruins are in. The only division that has yet to get a make-or-break team is the Metropolitan Division. You've got the Capitals up top with 95 points, and the Islanders at the bottom with 72. But right behind them, you've got the Penguins with 92, the Jackets with 89, the Flyers with 89, 
and the Devils probably rounding out that possible wildcard race at 86. That division just does not want to be won. Every time someone ascends to the top, it's literally next week another team overtakes them or they start falling off. They've all been very streaky. Columbus was on a streak. I think they lost the other night finally. That got snapped. I don't anticipate one team really taking it by the reins. I think the Capitals are going to win the division. Who knows? I, I mean, at this point... Does it matter? I mean, the Capitals aren't winning the President's Trophy, so that's already a better sign for them. But it, I think it s- speaks a lot to the parity in in that division. You know, you say they're streaky, but you've got basically five playoff teams, five legitimate playoff teams making a strong push. Um, whereas in the East, you've got the Atlantic, who is basically a super weak division, where you've got the top teams beating up on the bottom teams. The Metro Division reminds me so much of the Central in that every team is a good team. Yeah, to your point, uh, Philly and New Jersey are wild card spots right now. Um, where could you tell me what the fourth place team in the Atlantic Division is? Because obviously it's all Tampa, all Bruins, and now here recently Toronto, now that Austin Matthews back uh, from injury. So it's it's pretty solid and solidified in the Atlantic right now. I'm going to take a jump and say the fourth place team is the Panthers. The Panthers. And you'd be right. Look at Kyle. It's not your bubble team, by the way. Your bubble team is still struggling, struggling to make it into a wild card spot. And I'm confident that team's going to burst. Yeah, they're they're done for. Minus 28 goal differential, by the way. Minus 28. Anyways, so if you had kept track of what's been going on in the NHL recently, the GM's meeting happened last week in good old Boca Raton. (laughs) I don't know where it's at, but <laughs> it's, it's in it's, Florida. It's in Florida, yeah. It's in well, the Richie Rich it's, part of Florida. It's where it's where people go to retire. So the one place we're never going to go. Exactly. I don't really understand just going to Florida to retire. Like, what are you going to do in Florida the whole time? Is it just because it's warm there? Yeah. There's plenty of other states that are warm. If like Florida, I don't know if you guys saw, it was an article a few weeks ago, though. Florida was literally ranked the worst state in the U.S., that's incredible. I, you mean I, it beat Alabama, Mississippi? It did. And and that's funny because my, my wife is from Florida, and she had the exact same comment. Wow, that's <laughs> hilarious because, I don't know. Man, there's there's places in Mississippi, no no offense, that, you know, you just, you go to Oxford, and that's about, that's it. about it. Oxford's beautiful, though. So for all of our Mississippi listeners, stick to Oxford. But anyway, yeah, that that's crazy stat. Boca Raton, though, for this GM meeting, uh, we actually got some interesting developments from this. Goaltender interference might have been on the table for the talks, don't you think? Like three hours of it. Pretty much it was the focus of the entire meeting of how badly inconsistent goaltender interference has been this year because right now all four of us could give a definition of what we think goaltender interference is and we're all going to be right. Or wrong, whatever way you look at it because – I've seen, and it's interesting, even on the Preds broadcast, there's some challenges where even Chris Mason is like, well, I have to I have to kind of lean on the goaltender side here. And I'm like, well, that's because you're biased towards the goaltender. So if you happen to, like, graze the mask or something, obviously you're going to say, that's goaltender interference. Each person has their own, like, definition of goaltender interference. And then when it comes to in the game and then seeing it live, you know, like, Full speed, no one can no one can sit here and tell me what goaltender interference is. Well, it, it's really bad when the players themselves don't even know. Cam Talbot, uh, Oilers goalie, was quoted in the Edmonton Sun 
There's no consistency, and I'm expletive sick of it. It's expletive ridiculous. <laughs> you can quote me. They can find me. I don't give an expletive anymore. <laughs> so so you, you know the players are fed up with it. Yeah. Coaches don't know. It. So it's just it's incredibly inconsistent. So my question to you is, being a person who played the position of a goalie, what to you is goaltending? Yeah, I was about to bring that up because this is going to be an interesting take. And my, my take probably will be a little bit more interesting than the average goalie because to me, hockey is a contact sport. And to me, I played the position with some contact. And I didn't mind if people bumped me or if people, not that I want to be impeded making a save, but a little bit of contact is okay. For me, as long as it's not something blatant, I'm okay with it. What do you define as blatant? Now, if they're if they're sitting <laughs> in the middle, it, yeah, and it gets a little muddy, right? Yeah, now. here's where. Yes, it does get a little bit muddy. To me, if you've got a player in the middle of the crease and I can't go from right to left, that's blatant. But if somebody's you know got maybe half their skate in the crease and I'm kind of out at the front of the crease and we're making contact and I have to move to get around that player or else I'm going to hit him. To me, that's not goaltender interference. Well, last night, Arby had a goal where he was behind, like <laughs> in the crease, yeah. and, which is funny because I'm like, first of all, I don't know how he got there because there's like three defenders. So you're obviously not boxing out one as a defender. And two, he's just so tiny, he just slipped right in. But in that situation, it I thought for sure we were going to get a goaltender challenge and i even tweeted out i was like what we're not getting a goaltender interference challenge he didn't touch him at all but he's in the crease and it scared me as a fan and i I think that's my my point there is you know arvidson was obviously in the crease you know who cares what color the paint is there he he wasn't really making contact with the goalie at all so for me that's that's quite clearly not goaltender interference um but you think back to the the earlier days uh you know pre-lockout to where if your foot was in the crease at all, any part of your skate, it's a disallowed goal. To me, that's not real high. I mean, there should be some contact. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I didn't think it was going to interference, but there was that little seed of doubt in the back of my mind as a fan. You're sitting there watching it, and you're like, you literally have to wait 15 to 20 seconds or wait for them to start going back to the center ice and make sure the coach isn't looking at a monitor because you're either going to get an offside challenge or a goaltender interference call. And the hot one this year is the goaltender interference call because we made some changes to the offsides challenge, and that finally bit some people in the butt. Flyers, and particularly against the Predators, I was at that game, could not believe that got a challenge. Overturned, power play, we scored again. We ended up winning. I'm just saying, I think they will put some... Uh, rules to kind of rein in some coaches this year because that's that seems to be the go-to. It's like, oh, well, there might have been minuscule contact or you might have grazed him even though the goalie is pushing way up on the top of the crease to cut down those angles. Uh, kind of like what you were saying. If he pushes up that far, it's almost like there needs to be an omission like, hey, I'm going to be experiencing some contact here because I'm trying to cut off the angle. So I, I don't know. It's just... As a fan, it scares me because you have to wait now to make sure the goal is going to count. But I think they're making good steps to sort of even the playing field or I guess make it more consistent. With every call now having to go to Toronto, it adds a level of consistency. You've at least got a similar group of people looking at it night after night. Now, it's not going to necessarily be the exact same officials there in the booth 
every night, but you've at least got, you know, a small core group of people that are going to be making these decisions. Matt, didn't you say they're adding someone to the panel too? Yeah, adding a former referee to their panel. Would you think a former goalie but to the panel would, would be good too? I would prefer a former goalie. I, I would prefer like, that as well. Like, why not one of each? I, I just don't, I don't know. You're getting another one-sided opinion. My, my take is this will continue to evolve I think we'll see how it goes this next year. And if people still aren't happy with the consistency, I think you'll see more steps like that being taken. But with something like goaltender interference, it it is a judgment call, and it is going to be very difficult to get everybody on the same playing field. What I like about this is no longer is the ref that made the initial goal call the one that's having to go back and go, did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? Because if he's already called the goal – his call needs to stand. He doesn't need to go back and second-guessing second, second guessing himself. Kind of takes that out of his hands a bit. And like Taylor said, it is going to evolve. It Much like the offsides penalty last year evolved to where we are at this year with the more enforced rules, I guarantee you it'll keep morphing a little bit. And hopefully we, we find a happy medium. I don't, I don't want goalies getting ran over, but at the same time it's like you can't even breathe right now. And it's just it's as a fan, you're slowing the game down. I don't like watching baseball. I enjoy playing baseball. I don't like watching baseball because it's one of the slowest sports ever. Uh, don't slow the game down for stuff that should be a contact sport. Matt, you got anything to add before we move on? Uh, no, I pretty much agree with everything. I don't want to drag it out. Let's don't drag it out. Let's get into some Pred news, boys. If you've been watching the television lately. You've noticed that the Preds have hit a rose bump. A little bit. Just a bit. After a 10-game win streak and a 15-game point streak, they dropped two games to the Leafs and the Wild, and Preds Facebook and Preds Twitter lost their ever-loving mind. Yeah, the Preds Facebook, for all of you who are unaware, uh, is just a cesspool of negativity and destruction. That's the exact words Taylor and I used before we started recording really? we were talking about mm-hmm. Preds Facebook. It is, it is just someone throws a random comment out there, and then everyone just devours it and takes it and just mashes it up and throws it back out of something else. And then next thing you know, there I've seen some crazy stuff. I saw some crazy, crazy trade talking. Oh, the captain argument. Let's not even get started on the captain argument. Remember that, Matt? Uh, I mean, what we were down to like PK getting a captain. Uh, it, it, there was a lot of crazy stuff going out there. That's the thing with any online community for a fan of really any team, you've got about 45% of the fan base who's positive about everything. You've got 45% who's negative about everything. And then you've got about 10% of the actual level-headed people in the middle. And anytime anything happens, it's always everybody fighting and everybody going crazy. So if you want to stay sane as just a sports fan, just stay off that stuff. Or just go to Twitter because it's a much happier place. It is. I mean... Preds Twitter will lose their mind occasionally, but they're quickly reined back in, and they recognize that, oh, yeah, I had a just a brief like blowout, but now let's get back and let's you, put things in Matt perspective. Matt runs into this all the time. Matt will say something where it's not like even like a hot take either. Like he'll, have, he'll put some stats out there and something, and then someone will just take it the wrong way. And, of course, I, I'm sure there's people listening right now. They're like, I hate you, Matt. I don't, Carrie I probably don't, is. I don't understand anything you're saying. You don't know hockey. <laughs> We're very quickly reined back in on Twitter where I think Facebook is just, I mean, it's just a wild, wild west out there. 
no rules. I like I like what Mason said. You know, like you said, there's a little bit more sanity to Twitter. And me and Mason had kind of argued back and forth a little bit a few weeks ago about the Vesna discussion. He said, "Well, that's what it's all about. Really, it's about the discussion. If you got some stats to back up your point, that's cool because it's at least getting us into conversation to help develop a clear train of thought, as opposed to just taking some kind of personal bias and running with it, even though they don't have any reason to back it up." Yeah, you could tell he he liked it. He liked yeah. the back and forth where he's like, man, this is good hockey talk. That's what it boils down to, I feel like, on Twitter where Facebook is just a lot of one takes. Pew. I mean, at the end of the day, we're a Preds fan podcast, so we're going to be a little homery when it comes to talking about it, except Matt, who kind of is our um, third person to help keep the bias. Whatever, I see Pekka for Vesna on the back right now. There it is. <laughs> I know, right? Well, today you're more of a homer, and you're definitely going to be a homer when um, – Tolvin joins, Uh-oh. but we're going to get to him in a second. I want to make one quick, I guess, public service announcement due to a little thing on Twitter last night I encountered since we're talking about Twitter. When we're live tweeting the game. Oh my God. I know exactly where this is going to. Okay. We don't keep track of what every account says. <laughs> it is impossible. It is virtually impossible. I do want to point that out there because we are trying to tweet while watching the game and we're not looking at any other account. And that includes the official Preds account. So I don't know if you saw it last night, Matt. I was tweeting the game out, and I simply said, second period is a go. And somebody got on Twitter and said, are you just copying the main account? And I was we like, deeply offended someone. They must have been a Facebook user because <laughs> we deeply offended them, and they instantly defollowed us. Yeah. And I purposely said to him, I said, I have no idea what they said. <laughs> and about an, about an hour later, I went back and they said something similar, but it was like nowhere near as to what we said. I just, I just wanted to be like, do you see quotes around that? No. Do you see a retweet? No. We're live tweeting and we're watching the same game. So chances are we're going to say something very similar. Yeah, I heard we're all sitting in the same room watching this, watching the game last night, and you're tweeting, and I hear you say that. I thought it was over some like stat that Mason said that you just had reset without giving them credit. I didn't know it was something as weak as we're ready to play the next period. That's yeah, like, how it, many ways can you possibly say the puck is down for the next period? That's a really that's pretty. Lame. Oh yeah, it was really funny. It was really. I funny. didn't know that's that's what it was. It was I, something so minuscule. Yeah, it was very minuscule, but whatever. I mean, yeah, because, you know, we love everybody that follows us, you know. In fact, you know, we actually gave some stickers away the other day. We had a tremendous response to them. Uh, those of you who won, I will be sending the stickers out to you. And we will definitely be doing another giveaway of those again soon because, hey, they're great. Everybody likes free swag. And just a way of saying thank you for those who follow us. Yeah, and I actually could not believe the response we got from the giveaway. So it, it was actually a little shocking at how many people actually cared. And it kind of was a nice little reminder that we actually have some fans. So, <laughs> and everybody likes free stuff. Yeah, everyone does love free stuff. So, That's I mean, it. hey, free stuff for providing a service. Well, let's get back to the Preds now. So, before we get into Tolvin, because I know that's the big news of the day, I do want to get the Preds stats for a little bit before they go bad in the next couple of hours. The Preds are currently five points ahead of the Jets for the Central Crown and the Western Crown, and they are one point ahead of the Lightning for the league. And again, everybody, call them yourselves. Preds will be fine. Uh, I brought up an interesting point. We haven't lost in a while, and I think it's about time that, one, we needed a reality check. Two, we're going to the playoffs. Do you honestly think we're going to go 14-0-1 in the playoffs? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, even you and saying that. In what world are we going to do yeah, that? Uh, I the Blackhawks are out. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we can't sweep another Blackhawks team in the fr- first round. But that said, it is completely unrealistic to say we're going to go 14-0-1. Oh, right, well, actually, it's not even possible to go 0-1 oh, because uh, there's no overtime. Uh, well, it's just games at that point. You're going to lose a couple games, and most game series go to 6 so, Preds fans, get used to losing a couple, and these were good teams we lost to, so why are y'all hanging your heads low? You're talking all three of the teams we lost to, playoff teams, by the way. Yeah, and that's, I think you said it best when they needed a reality check. Any team that goes on a long streak like the Preds did, it, you tend to get a little bit complacent during that time. Not that, Not that you think it's going to be easy to go out there and get wins, but... Everything just happens to be working. You're getting bounces going your way, and it it keeps you from sort of cleaning up your game and working on the little things here and there. So it's it's good to get some losses in there just to sort of bring you back to reality and get your legs moving again. Um, certainly don't want to string too many more of these losses together, um, but it can definitely be a good thing. Um, you know, it's funny because we were watching the game last night, and I think Matt actually has these stats, but... One key contributor to the... First of all, I can't believe we were still winning with this fact, but our power play. Let's just unpack that for a second. It's terrible. Abysmal this month. Absolutely abysmal. I think it was, what, 4%? Whatever it it was, they were probably even lower. It was probably even lower because last night we went 0 for 5, I believe, on the power play. So, woo, it's been bad. Like, very bad. We can't gain the zone entrance. And once we get in, no net front presence. And I think that's been a big portion of our problems is no one's there to clean up the rebounds, those dirty goals. I need Scott Hartnell posted up. I haven't seen that. We've been getting boxed out too much, and we're just not getting shots through their defense. Our shots went way down. What Wild was like, how many shots on goal? 20? 20 shots on goal for the whole game? And I I hate to say it because he's been a huge addition coming back, but... The problems, I think, started right around the time that Ellis came back from his injury. and Because it, it sort of changes, I think, the strategy that we take on the power play, trying to feed it back to the point again, which is, it, it takes a little bit of the creativity away. Um, but just to, to put it in perspective on how far the Preds have fallen, I remember last time I checked our ranking on the power play was just prior to this huge winning streak, and we were second in the league. We were we, on fire at one point. We have fallen to thirteenth over this over this span, which is a I mean, that's hard to do. That's a huge fall. Yeah, uh, well, it's very easy if you're shooting four percent for an entire month. Actually it's less than that now. I I, I don't know the up to date after last night, but it has to be sub four percent power play right now. I think part of the deal was the fact is they love the drop pass their way in. Dude. PK does Super that every yeah. time. It's the most annoying thing ever, and these guys are my witness. I yell at the television if they do it. We're at the game yelling. Am I the only one that doesn't mind the drop pass? I know at the games, everybody that sits near me hates it, but it actually does work to reverse the direction and to find holes to break in. And I think actually since we've employed it starting last year, we've actually been better at breaking in on power plays. 
I will give you that. But the problem is, once we drop it and that person drives in, he doesn't know what to do with it. Like, do I go right? Do I go left? Do I do a dump and chase? It's like, I have so many options now, I don't know the right one to choose. Which is, the right one is to pass it on your right to the guy at the blue line. But that never seems to happen. There are only two options when that happens, and it's to either carry the puck in and stop near the blue line and wait for everybody to enter, find somebody to dish it to, or to dump it into the corner, which is obviously the the less... Um, <laughs> the dump and chase. Yeah, what you don't really want to do. But to me, I think we've been better since we've employed that tactic, actually. I, well, I know I'm in the minority. Well, I mean, y- yes. It just look, even with our abysmal streak here, we are way better than we were last last year on the power play. So I'll argue that. But it's hard to go from being like second, third best in the league on the power play to 13th in a month. Uh, I think that's where everyone's having the uh, the issues right now. Well, I think also the power play needs to get better because you're not going to win the Stanley Cup without a good special teams. And if your special team sucks coming in the playoffs and it doesn't get better, you're going to get bounced early. Yeah. Special teams make or break you in the playoffs. If you can, everybody's can be about average on five on five, but that's where the game is won and lost on mm-hmm. uh, special teams in the playoffs. Yeah, because five on five in the playoffs gets way tighter too. People don't want to take uh, you know unneeded risks, and you're absolutely right. That's where you're going to to win games. And that kind of scares me because the Jets have an incredible power play and. I have a feeling that second round matchup, like if it's the Jets and Preds, y'all just prepare yourself. Last night's game was so fun to watch. Uh, all of the the whole series, the entire year has been absolutely incredible. Uh, other than the one game, I think we won four to one here, very solid victory. But they've all been tight, usually high scoring, um, high strum. The teams don't really they're starting to form that rivalry. Stems back to fight night one where we had like fourteen players in the box. I'm very excited to see that in the playoffs, and I'm. You know, I anticipate that being the second round matchup. And be sure you call nine one one because we're probably going to need a stretcher. Yeah, but <laughs> do you know who could provide some excellent power play assistance? Who is that, Matt? Eli Tolvanen, baby. Oh, there he is. He's coming over finally from Finland. It finally happened after the longest game I might oh, have yeah. ever witnessed in my entire life and the longest game in the khl's history so it started at 11 30 and i was at work on a thursday i have like three monitors obviously these two the bigger ones are dedicated to work and i'm over here trying you know trying to trying to get my feet up on the left hand side and i have um i think it was google just trying to refresh it and i have khl playoffs and it was just you know okay we're going okay overtime one whatever I'm okay with it. We'll, we'll, you know, about 20 minutes later, I check back in. Oh, well, there's no change. It looks like it's going to overtime too. You know what? We should go to a third overtime. Do you know what? We should go to quintuple overtime. I think it's about time I got home because I was driving home when it was in third overtime and I get home and they go, we're going to fourth overtime. And I was like, okay, cool. And then 20 minutes later, like you said, a fifth overtime. I eventually leave work. At 4.15, and it is, it started at 11.30, it is 4.15, 4.30, and I'm leaving work, and we're going into another overtime, and I'm like, this, this game's going to go on forever. I mean, people were saying, uh, Tovenum will be available for the expansion draft by the time he, yeah, it's okay. it's over. I saw, I saw some of the most hilarious things online, but it, it was ridiculous. We get to quintuple overtime, and, and I'm just, uh, you know, at this point, I'm like, I don't care who wins. You know, I, I they just need to lose. But at this point, 
you just got to get the game over. I mean, people are probably going off in stretchers. There's probably IV bags in the locker room. Oh, they were showing shots of the arena. The arena had pretty much cleared out because it was like oh, it was past one in the morning there. Yeah, I, I think they said it was pushing two towards the end in Moscow, and I'm like, people are carrying their children off on the live stream. On the way home, I'm listening it in Russian. Not the most pleasant thing to listen to if you're just if you don't if you don't know Russian it's, it's a, rough it's a lot more pleasant if you've had vodka yeah <laughs> I, I mean obviously there's a reason because yeah I, I, we were almost all fluent in Russian by the end of this game but they ended up winning their goalie has like 87 saves something ridiculous that's a game you're never gonna forget as far as like you know, where you are. And of course, it has to be the one game that every Preds prospect and fan was watching because we wanted Tolvanen, and then it didn't happen. So then we have to wait till yeah. the next game. But they did lose. And now he's here. Well, not yet. Well, he'll be leaving on a plane Wednesday. Yeah, this is kind of where the, the water gets a little muddy, too. Um, I know we were talking about this in our group text, but there's now an interesting dynamic about the amount of games played and it's very interesting to me because we were all excited to bring him over here. Oh, he looks great on the power play. He's been killing it. The Olympics, he looks fantastic in the power play. Well, we just need to get him over here. Get him over here. Get him over here. Well, wait. Hold on. So if he plays nine games, that qualifies for a year off his contract. And then what happens? We actually have to protect him in the expansion draft. Kind of an interesting dynamic because now you have a team that's been rolling not the last three games, obviously, but predominantly well the entire season. And now you have a player who doesn't have NHL experience. He is coming over, but I have a feeling he's going to adapt just fine. Just to clarify to all the listeners, the nine games does also count playoff games. Yes, we looked this up because you would think he could come over, play the remainder of the games, and then, oh, well, you're good. No, the playoff games do count. So it's really going to be up to... If he comes up over here and starts kicking butt first couple games, starts scoring goals, ignites our power play, th- there's no question. He starts the rest of the playoffs. They put him in every game possible. But what happens if he comes over here and he needs an adjustment period? No one ever thought about that. Look at look at Matt. Do you sit a talent like that throughout the whole playoffs, or do you burn him and no, then just protect screw him? The, screw the contract. I don't care about the protection. I think as far as the money, it's not about the money. We're great on the cap. You will be hurt potentially in the expansion draft in a few years. So that's one more piece of the puzzle. You have to work about that. But you're taking your best chances. If he is a bonus, which he obviously is going to be, and now that Yarncrock is out, you got to have another piece to come in, and he gives you your best chance of success now. Well, worry about winning a cup now and then deal with the pieces of the aftermath later in a few years, which you guys are well-equipped to handle anyway. I knew that was going to be your answer. I just wanted to see your take on it because Matt's in cup now mode. And I'm sort of on the other side of the coin a little bit. I think Tolvanen's going to be great, but I think introducing somebody who, one, has very limited experience on the small NHL ice, two, fitting into a team that he doesn't have any chemistry with yet, doesn't necessarily play the system, it can actually backfire. And you add in potentially having to protect him in the expansion draft so you're going to lose somebody that you didn't have to previously to me there's a lot of risk there so I think they're going to be careful about when they do play him he'll definitely get some games you got to see you know how he looks um if he's just incredible 
Yeah, there's no you doubt. Keep him, you keep him playing. Obviously, you're in cup mode. But if he's kind of a marginal improvement, I don't think you play him. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic about as far as team chemistry. And we talked a few weeks ago at the at the trade deadline about how Poyle didn't make a substantial amount of moves because he didn't want to disrupt the chemistry. So that's one key aspect there about Tovin and fitting in. And I would have to agree, if he's only marginal in the chemistry aspect and in the points producing, maybe you do set him. But mm-hmm. I've just haven't even considered that. I've only considered that he's just going to whoop everybody and it's <laughs> going to be it. He's the, he's right. the second coming. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I saw the uh, several accounts online and they were like um, – uh, let's see, and the child shall lead them, and they had his picture, and and it's it's comical, but at the same time, we we just hope he comes over and plays really well, so we don't have to get in this scenario. I think that's kind of all in the back of our minds now. Well, what if he doesn't play? Well, it's not the end of the world. Like he'll be protected, and on top of it, you gotta you also have to think about the tantalizing theory of he comes over here, and what happens if he gels really quick, and then he has even better quality players setting him up. You saw some of the goals in the KHL. They're just nasty. There's one he's going back, and he does a slapper, and it's just like it blew blew my mind, the amount of torque he got on it. It's just interesting to see because if he starts getting really good setups, too, from really high-quality players, he could explode. And it it would be a huge boost to our team to get it right before the 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 playoffs and then for nothing as Matt said cap space wise we're fine doesn't even hurt us and you just got another key piece for a playoff run I can't wait we we're discussing this it is fascinating it is very juicy this theoretical world of Tolvin and coming here and kicking butt or the other world of what if he doesn't fit in very good what's going to be interesting the key piece is that we don't have any real world data as far as him playing for the Preds right now to to see how it's going to turn out so I can't wait for it a couple weeks when we get a few games in and come back and revisit this conversation. It's going to be interesting. You better believe, though, first night, if he scores a goal or two, Matt's going to be off the couch just, yeah, baby, doing the celly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, Matt's already on board. He's all in. So I, I think some people are reserving and trying to rein in their their uh, excitement, and uh, I will try to do that. But it's, it's very hard to rein in your excitement when you see highlight reels of him just – decimating goalies over there his shot is wicked and i like that he sort of has his spot you know ovechkin has that spot that he you know tolvanen has his spot to the right it's the right face-off circle if you're looking at the goalie he usually comes in and uses the defenders a screen and just it's a snipe every time I, i mean absolute snipe that one the other day he literally slotted it short side i don't know if you saw this one it was short side against the uh was this the offsides when they got called back? It did get called yeah. back. It was the CSK goal. I could not even believe the angle. He shot it through a player and went short side under under the glove, but under uh, just above the pad. I mean, it was just enough for the, the puck. It blew my mind. He also had that nasty one that he went like top shelf on where he just drove in on the goalie, and the goalie was hugging the post. So not much you can do there. And it's like I said, it's so hard to, to be like, you know, tame your expectations, but man, he's just been lighting it up. So uh, I'm excited. I'm and totally. Excited. I love the poise that he shows too, because you get a lot of young guys and they look a little bit antsy with the puck, um, and he looks really, really comfortable with it. Silky smooth. Mm-hmm. In the Olympics, it looked like the captain was out there skating because he would get in the zone and he just, you know, kind of like shuffle back and forth, 
pass, 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 boom, sniped. It was so smooth in the Olympics. So I was very impressed with him on that stage too because, you know, sometimes when you elevate the level, the pressure kind of gets to younger players. But, I mean, he's 18 and performing that well in the Olympics and in the KHL. He sets the KHL record. So all the signs lead to him coming over and doing well. Let's just hope it translates on the ice. Speaking of translating things on the ice, let's talk about that Rene Saros and that Pekka for Vesna real quick. Ooh, all aboard. Matt's on. The Bane train is on. Yeah, That's he even right. got Pekka for Vesna on the back of his shirt still. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a little ghetto. Um, it looks like it was homemade. Not quite sure, but it's super realistic. I mean, the the embroidery is just fantastic, Matt. Did your wife sew it on for you? No, not quite. I did that one myself. Let's talk about him real quick. Rene has a season high save percentage of .928 right now. That is better than his six previous seasons. And, and, and he's how old? 35. 35. I just want to point out, that's pretty good for a 35-year-old. Uh, normally at this point, this is when goaltenders start uh, declining because they might not be as nimble and they might not be able to do, really get left to right as quick as he does. So, And he's had a hip injury before. I'll, I'll point that out too. I don't know what he's doing in the offseason. I know Pekka does like to change up his style and strategy, so he gets you know a new goaltending coach. He'll learn as much as possible, and he's not as stubborn as some goaltenders are, and I think him being able to adapt has really helped him this year. I mean, he has a legitimate shot at the Vesna this year. I think he's been able to tap into this year some deeper motivation, too. You, you could almost see it... Uh, you know, post finals in, in interviews and stuff, you could see this desire that I don't think I ever have seen before out of out of any player, you know, much less uh, Pekka, just an intense focus and intense determination to go and, and to get better in the offseason. And it's just unbelievable at his age, I think, what he's been able to do. Well, I think you hit on it. How many more years does Peck really have? Equality years. You're, you're talking probably two yeah, probably two at, at, at the, the most. most. And and then you're tailing off. And I think he knows that this team right now, first of all, is good enough to win a cup now and over the next two to three years. And he knows this is his window. And all the post-game interviews, I think he even reflected that, saying that he's like, you, you don't know how much time you have. And as a player, you want the ultimate goal. You want to be able to hoist that trophy up at least once in your life. I, I mean, kind of like Mike Fisher coming back. Why is Mike back? He wants the he cup. He wants the cup. He came back for minimal money to add, you know, some depth to our team. At that point, you're playing for pride. Yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about a former captain coming back, not taking captain role, and playing fourth line mostly. And he's been doing really well, actually. His face-off percentage, uh, he's been kicking butt. It's been impressive, to be honest. I think the uh, the time off and the rest kind of let him recoup his body. I mean, he's not going to be able to play multiple years after this obviously this is his last season but I think you're seeing that that desire to win the cup like they came two games short of the ultimate prize and I think it's driving them Uh, you see the veterans for sure they know they only have so much time and they know the team is good enough and I, I think that this year they could legitimately get it done yeah, I, I don't think you can get that close to winning a cup and it not change you as a player. And, and I think you've seen that out of multiple guys this year. 
Well, if you wanted to get into some stats, since I have been all over the Vezina race lately, and uh, like I said, on the back of my shirt, I got a uh, Rene for Vezina thing going on. So let me go ahead and fill you in on some details. <laughs> so you do that, Matt. The script has really flipped in the last month. Remember, it has to be maybe two months ago now that the uh, they did the uh, stats that come out and said it was pretty much a runaway lead for Vasilevsky. Well, I wasn't on board. Shockingly runaway. Yeah. Like, I remember I, I texted you it, and you were like, really? And you were all upset in the group message because it, it didn't really make any sense. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't understand how that was a runaway. And if you look now, it certainly isn't a runaway. But so this flipped really, the script really got flipped about a month ago. And that was when we went on that big, you know, 15-game streak or whatever. And at the same time, um, Vasilevsky has been tanking. Since February 17th, his first nine games after that mark, his goals against average is 3.69, and his save percentage is 8.93, which is not stellar at all. And that at the same time, in contradistinction, Rene has been even hotter when you guys were on that streak, and he his levels have increased. And it was, I know when my opinion changed, when it was on, let's see, it was on March 20th because a guy I saw on Twitter named Mike Kelly, who's an NHL analyst, had posted a tweet. And that tweet uh, shared some of Pekka's stats because as of March 20th, which is about a week ago now, um, Pekka was first in the wins. He was the first to get 40 wins. He also had the, he was first in goals against category. He was first in the NHL and save percentage, first in slot save percentage, <laughs> inner insane. slot save percentage, shutouts, and apparently now he's first in the league and playing on back-to-back nights. So that's like eight categories in a row that Rene was number one in a week ago. Now he slipped in like he's like in second place in wins now because Vasilevsky has forty-two. But basically, but still, at one time a week ago, he was first in eight categories. That's funny because I put together his stats actually versus Vasilevsky's here to, oh, to talk about, yeah. and I, I'm going to go through them here. Um, this is so, this is of today. This is correct. of today. Yes, okay. correct. Th- through our bad streak, I want to point that out. Yes, after our bad streak. Okay, this is good. This is good. So, so the only stat that Rene, the only major stat Rene doesn't lead Vasilevsky in is wins. Vasilevsky has forty two to Rene is forty, but overall save percentage, Rene's second in the league. Vasilevsky's eighth. Uh, even strength save percentage, Rene is first. Vasilevsky's fifth. Rene, uh, his goals against, he's second. Vasilevsky's 11th. Wow. In shutouts, Rene's first. Vasilevsky's second. Um, and adding to that, Rene plays in a much tougher division and has been more consistent over the course of the seasons. That's sort of my, my spiel for Rene's, you know, over Vasilevsky. Um, all the major stats, other than wins, show that he's had the better season. Yeah, I actually had took another composite of today's current stats between the four, the top, the big four, which is Vasquez, Rene, Hellebuck, and Gibson. Mm-hmm. And I threw in Flurry too. I'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> of course you did. I took a, I took a cross section of all the different categories that people look at generally wins, uh, save percentage, goals against, uh, shutouts. I think that's, yeah, wins, shutouts, save percentage. Yeah, so the big four. And in those big four, I looked at what place each goaltender was in with a minimum of 50 games because... 50 games played because Flurry was under. Right. Um, so it was actually Andrew Berkshire on Twitter who had informed me that 50 is the magic number. I didn't know that that was the magic number, but apparently that is. It's like the bare minimum. Like, you need to hit that threshold before you're considered. It's at least two-thirds of the season. Yeah. So if you took a cross-section out of all four of those, Rene is second, first, second, and second place for a total of seven. If you're looking for the lowest number... 
Uh, Vasilevsky over those four, his number is 20. Rene wow. seven. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's like Hellebuck actually is it would be in second place as 14, mm -hmm. and then Gibson is 33. So uh, at a cross section, Rene's the first. Actually, if you look at these stats, I put Hellebuck in second place and Vasilevsky third. So not quite a runaway as he was uh, a month ago or so. <laughs> and the only reason I kept Flurry in there is because it is interesting that he's kind of kicked out of this category because he hasn't hit that 50 game mark. He's currently sitting at 42 games played and he's on pace for like 48. So just barely shy, but he is currently first in the league and, and save and uh, goals against percentage. So I put him there for kicks, but it's he'll definitely, probably, he'll probably actually get like 46 because they have less games at hand right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've actually got flurry on my list of, of he's fourth on my, on my uh, Vesna watch list. So don't feel bad about having so, him. On yeah, there. I'm glad. The, last week I was like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have mentioned Flurry because I'm going to be the only guy who said that. So no, I, I think we agreed. I think it was just that how many reps was he going to get? I think the injury where he was out a couple weeks really um, oh, prohibited yeah. him from shining more this year. And I think arguably, if if he isn't injured, he's probably first and second. It'd be it'd be Pekka and Flurry all the way. But oh. because of the injury, I, I, it's definitely it's definitely I, I would say a two horse race right now. Yeah, like I said, uh, as it is now, it is definitely Rene's show. There is no no doubt in my mind. I've got Rene on the money. Put it down. Go to Vegas and bet on it. Rene's winning the Vezina this year. Take it to the bank. That's right. As a 35-year-old. As a 35-year-old. That's really impressive. I mean, really impressive. Well, you know what else is impressive? I've actually got a few milestones here we haven't mentioned, and that is Vegas's William Carlson is only the eighth player in NHL history to score a natural hat trick natural hat trick in an expansion team's inaugural season so that's that's very interesting good job on him also Kyle I'm surprised you weren't the one who bring this up yeah is that Ovechkin with his 44th goal of the year passes Yari Curry for 19th all-time with goals yeah that totally did slip my mind I remember seeing that earlier mm -hmm. didn't even think about it no you're a terrible fanboy and everybody's fanboy is Sidney Crosby got his oh, 700th boo, assist the other day. Lame. No one cares. All right, I'll skip. I'll skip right past. You know that. what was good though? I'll give him half credit. Was that goal the other night? The chip goal. Oh yeah, it, it was incredible. That was actually I mean, a really it, pretty it was goal. Sidney Crosby, but uh, I don't care who you are. It was first of all the pass. Let's just say the pass to get to Crosby was also a chip as well. So it was a chip to a chip on himself and a chip on the goal. It was incredible. Chips all around. And also going next, we have Taylor Hall, who is the first devil to hit 80 points since Ilya Kovalchuk did it in 2011. And also the same guy who single-handedly pushed the Devils to a playoff spot. And also the same guy who used to be in Oilers who are eliminated from the playoffs this year. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Do you that, think they want that trade back? Oh, yeah. Well, that does bring me to my next point, is that McDavid, since the All-Star break, has played 27 games. And he has 44 points in that span. And he also, this week, took number one spot away from Kucherov as first in the league in points with 99. Kucherov has kind of cooled off, and that's been interesting because I feel like the Lightning have been slipping here recently, and I think Taylor just got an update too. The Lightning lost tonight, correct? Yeah, the Arizona beat the Lightning 4-1 to tonight. That's hilarious. They, they, yeah, always, surprise, surprise. they always are tough against the best teams in the league, man. Where They're was, scrappy. Where was this Arizona the early season? Uh, obviously not playing, but they always show up against the best teams in the league. But I think it's not just a um, Coyotes being that dominant. I think there's more uh, going on there, like like we were saying, with them cooling off a little bit. You weren't expecting him and Stamkos to, 
to keep that pace the entire year or so. Go, going back to Connor McDavid, though, I actually didn't realize until I saw that update on my phone the other day how well he had been since the All-Star break. Yeah. It, it, it's just unbelievable. What Going back to that 44 points in 27 games, if you stretch that out over a whole year, that's a 134-point pace. Wow. La- last time that's happened, Mario Lemieux in 95-96. Wow. So that's some pretty good company. I mean, obviously, it's just a couple months, but you can see what the, this kid is capable of. And not in the playoffs. That's why some people right. pick them to win the cup, but uh, <laughs> but you know others but did not. <laughs> we mentioned how well he's doing, and that would put him uh, poised to win the Art Ross for the second year in a row. And if that happens, he will be the first person to win back to back Art Rosses since Yager did it in '97 to 2001. And uh, just another mention about how good Connor McDavid is for the Oilers, how valuable he is. Without Yager, I'm sorry, well, without McDavid on the ice, the Oilers are a 9-29 differential without him on the ice. You know what's incredible to me, though? They have the best scorer in the league, and they have the worst power play in the league at only 14.5%. How, how does that even happen? That's unbelievable to me. I think it goes to show you that you need a full team. Like You can't just have one superstar in the NHL and just expect to roll teams. I mean, we touched on it last episode, the Preds scoring depth. We, we're deep all the way across the board. You have multiple people, I think three now, 50-plus. So it takes a group effort, and it takes a well-rounded team to, first of all, get to the playoffs, and second, make those deep playoff runs because you're going to get injured. And I think this year you finally saw that with the Oilers. They have tremendous talent, but one person cannot do it all. Well, mentioning injuries, if you look at the Jets, they are screwed right now. <laughs> uh, Tobias Enstrom is going to be held out for the rest of the season with a lower body injury, and he's uh, likely to start at the beginning of the playoffs, but he's going to be held out. And also, Dmitry Kulikov is going to have back surgery and will be out eight weeks. And another Jets player, uh, Jacob Truba, has been diagnosed with a concussion, so he's going to be out for an indefinite amount of time. You look at the Wild, uh, Jared Spurgeon is going to be out four weeks with a partial torn hamstring. Yep, saw that one. And uh, the Canucks, Eric Gabranson is expected to undergo season-ending surgery, shoulder surgery. Not a big deal because they're already out of the playoffs, but, (laughs) you know, whatever. Um, We've mentioned a couple of our Preds are out. We mentioned Yarncroke is out. And uh, also Ben Bishop is going to be— Yeah, that was huge for the the Stars because he's going to miss basically the remainder of the season, and they are borderline— on the they're playoffs. not getting in. They're, they're not yeah. getting in. right. They're, they're not, not getting in they're now. Not. They're they're already but eliminated. They actually. were. They were. <laughs> they're mathematically eliminated. Already. Were they tonight? Uh, yeah, either today or yesterday. That's so sad because they were so close, and it was like that. That was devastating. I mean, you have a key injury like that towards the end of the you know the playoff push. I mean, regroup, come back next season, burn the whole ship like Dallas always does. They'll sell everyone off, and then they just get a whole new lot of players that have no chemistry. And they had they're, and they had Ken Hitchcock. They're so good at underperforming though. You remember they were supposed to be good last year and it didn't quite pan out. They were, they supposed, were supposed to be number to be good one this, this year. year. It didn't pan out. Power rankings were number they were like I saw a lot of people were like number one in the central power rankings and it was funny because I think everyone on this podcast took the opposite. We said no, they're not going to have chemistry. They do the same thing every year. They burn the ship. Yep. They get a ton of superstars, but they have no chemistry together. So it takes it takes years to build up that chemistry. I mean, I don't know. I just don't like their strategy uh, as far as how they're structuring their building process. And uh, 
once again, out of the playoffs. Yep, and you can tell it's getting playoff time because I actually have a couple more injuries to go through. I'll briefly touch on a, a couple of the more highlights. Uh, the Oilers' Oscar Kleffbaum is going to be having shoulder surgery. That'll end his year. Uh, your precious Hurricanes, Kyle. Noah Hannafin is out indefinitely with a concussion. And my precious Red Wings, Mike Green, is going to have spine surgery. He's done. Uh, Blue Jackets, Nick Foligno is out two to four weeks with a lower body. And yesterday the league handed out a suspension for Brad Marchand in five games shocker. for his elbow on Marcus Johansson. Is that a shocker, really? Yeah. Marchand. Suspended. That's nothing new. I mean, he will eventually get kicked out of the league. He's a great player, too. He's I just a, wish he didn't play dirty. He's a bad person, though. <laughs> yeah. he's a, he, We hate him as a person, but you cannot argue with his results on the ice. I mean, he's destroying it. I, I literally tuned into the Wild game last night, and it was like 20 seconds in. He scores the OT goal. First of all, wrong move to let Marchand just march on in the zone free of will. I mean, no one even picked him up. And I'm like, this is a goal. I literally looked at the TV, and I was like, that's going to be a goal. And he sniped him. And I'm like, man, I hate that dude so much, but he's such a good hockey player. You can't you can't deny him. Well, one thing you can't deny is that Preds are going to the playoffs. Yeah, we are. We got what seven games left, Daniel? We sure do. And looking at the upcoming schedule, uh, every game is important. But this homestand coming up will decide our seating uh, with how tight the Central is. So tomorrow we're back in action against the Minnesota Wild again. I think we're expecting another. Um, I dare say wild game. Last one Hate was. Hate you so much right now. I know. I saw you rolling your eyes before I even said it. <laughs> you knew it was coming. I'm really excited for that one, especially after Lavi got ejected. Uh, we didn't even touch on that. That was fantastic. You, hey, I'm glad he did. BS call. Uh, I mean, he knew he was. He he just started marching towards the the locker room like he knew, and uh, I think we all knew it was coming after uh, some of the choice language that was said uh, and aired on Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't per se coming through as sound bites but you can sure read his lips so um not a happy camper on that Hartnell play but uh after the Minnesota game we're gonna have San Jose at home Thursday and the Sharks have been playing really well here recently uh we have the return of our uh former assistant coach and it is going to be Buffalo this Saturday 7 p.m uh followed by another back-to-back game against the Tampa Bay Lightning which is going to be another seeding potential game because you're talking about two teams that are basically going to be coming down to the President's Cup. Boston can be thrown in the mix as well. So it's one of those three teams, in my opinion, will win the President's Cup, and that is going to be a huge game. So a week from now, we'll face the Florida Panthers in Florida, followed by your beloved Washington Capitals. And then we're going to wrap up the season with a home game against the Columbus Blue Jackets on the 7th. And guys... The next time we record will be the week that the playoffs start. And that will be a great time to go back and do our preseason uh, unpacking. Preseason predictions and see how wrong and how right we were. I'm feeling pretty good about some. Others, not so much. So, we'll see. I know Matt has a couple he might want to take back. So I'm pretty sure I'm already going to take back, the cap- not the Capitals, but the uh, the Hurricane bubble team. Yes, that was one of them. Um, it's. I'm interested to see our um, Central Division power rankings because I'm trying yeah. to remember exactly, and and it's funny because the Wild weren't doing really well here recently, but I remember I had them pretty high up the list, and they're finally starting to get back in the groove. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking I did fairly well, and I think we were all pretty close. So I think we did well. I think there's maybe one or two teams difference in our list. And that you was know about what it. we got wrong? 
the Vegas Golden Knights. Let me just say we trashed that team. In the we preseason. did. We. Man. I think. Well, I would say collectively the hockey world as a whole trashed oh, yeah. them. We. I mean, it. It was just an expansion team, and it was easy pickings. Um, I do not anticipate us trashing Seattle when they join the league because they're going to have the same rules that Vegas did. So no. Well, what's interesting about Vegas though is even with the the nice expansion deal that they had there was no way anybody could predict how well they gelled as a team. Um, it, it's It really is remarkable what they've been able to do. I think they'll win coach and GM of the year. Definitely I mean, coach of the year. Why not? I would say GM, yeah, now it's going to think I about mean, GM. It, it's going to be both because you you set every single record as an inaugural franchise team. And crushed the, the record. Crushed I mean, them. <laughs> And you're going to make the playoffs as the best in the West. Or, or not the best in the West, but the best in the Pacific. They're going to win the Pacific Division. That's almost mind-boggling. Their first year, they're going to get a banner. <laughs> so, you you can't knock them, but yeah, we, we sure did get that wrong. Well, we know what to do next time, and that is don't count the Seattle expansion out when they come, because they are going to be coming. Release the Kraken. Yes, let's go Seattle Kraken. Oh, there's so many terrible names. We'll unpack that one in another episode. But I do have to say... Thank you, Taylor, for joining us tonight. It has been awesome. It's our first guest on the show. We feel official right now. The listeners actually get to enjoy someone else's voice for once and not my terrible voice. So, or mine uh, or Matt's. Yeah, I mean, we can be a little abrasive sometimes. So we were super excited to have Taylor on, and uh, we'll try to have him back on eventually in the future. Uh, it was an act of God scheduling this. So uh, so we're, we're pretty excited, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more guests on the podcast soon. And I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. It's been a blast. Um, you know, always always down for talking some hockey. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll come back anytime. Definitely, and we will have you. Kyle, take us out. So, guys, if you like the show, this has been Music City Gold, part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You can find us on Twitter at Music City Gold. You can find Matt at MattBain31. You can find Daniel at CDanDrum, not CDanRum. Seed and Rum is not... The- the correct but they all run together never mind a little inside joke Side there point. and you can find me at kyle hancock it's been a great show you guys have a great week and we'll see you on the ice